you will turn to the book of Zephaniah, and we'll be in chapter number two tonight. The book of Zephaniah, chapter number two. I asked a few weeks back on Sunday morning how many people that had even read the book of Zephaniah, and only a couple of hands went up. So uh, it's it's maybe not the most popular book in the Bible. Uh, but I've, uh, you know, I've come to the conclusion over the years that every book in the Bible is is very important, and every it's just as much Zephaniah is just as much the Word of God as the Gospel of John is, or the Book of Revelation that we're studying now on Sunday morning. So, so uh, you know, where there's lots to be uh, gleaned from through the study of this little book, and uh, we'll really get to the good stuff next week when when uh, Zephaniah talks about the millennium and the great day that's coming uh, after God judges this world. But today, tonight, we're going to be talking about the judgment of Israel and the judgment of this world. Uh, and we're going to see the reason why God judges nations and individuals and why he's going to judge this world. And you can kind of see that. Uh, a little, learn a little bit about that judgment just in the name Zephaniah. Remember we learned last week that the name Zephaniah means that Yahweh hides himself. He hides himself. And, and uh, uh, Zephaniah was the last prophet. We learned that last week too to, to speak to the nation of Israel before they went into captivity. The, the northern kingdom had already gone into captivity and the southern kingdom was about to go into captivity. Uh, and these are, he spoke of the days of Josiah and uh, his message was pretty clear that this is your last chance. I mean, unless you repent. I mean, they had had a revival in the day of Josiah, but it, as I said last week, it was a pretty superficial revival. And uh, I don't think the people had really repented. Uh, but, uh, and, but God uses this time when they probably had an open ear to warn them that, hey, things look pretty good now, right now, but they're going to turn right back around and the nation is going to be wicked again and the nation is going to go into captivity unless the people repent. And uh, uh, that date is coming and when it comes uh, and you call upon the Lord, hey, it's too late. Uh, the judgment's set and the nation's going to be judged and, and the Lord's going to be hidden when you call upon him. You're not going to be able to find him. You're not going to be able to hear from him. So, Repent while you have a chance. I mean, I, I, I think that's applicable to every individual in this world at, at, at every moment of every day. You know, let today be the day of your salvation. Don't put it off uh, uh, because you never know when, you know, the Lord decrees that it's too late and, and uh, that uh, judgment is at hand. And so... Uh, anyway, let's get back to the judgment. And, and he says in verse number one, gather yourselves together. He says this to the nation of Israel. Yes, gather yourself together. Listen to what he calls them. Oh, undesirable nation. Now, that's a harsh word for the nation of Israel. Remember, the nation of Israel was the apple of God's eye. Uh, but what, how they had fallen from the day they had gone into the promised land. I mean, here they were and. And uh, they, were, they were a desirable nation to God. And God had nurtured this nation. He had birthed this nation. And, and now they've become so wicked because of their idolatry and their immorality that they've become repugnant to the Lord. 
That's a pretty sad state. And so he tells him, he says, gather yourself together. Remember back in chapter 1, he told them back in chapter 1, he said, I've prepared a sacrifice and called my gift. And guess who the gift for the sacrifice are? You are, because you're the sacrifice. In other words, the nation was about, about to be gathered together so that they could be judged. Then he says in verse number two, he says, he says, gather yourselves together. In verse number one, yes, gather together. O undesirable nation, before the decree is issued. In other words, you need to repent before the decree goes out for the nation to be judged. Or that day passes like chaff. You need to repent before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the days of the Lord's anger comes upon you. And this is what he says. He says, seek the Lord before it's too late, all you meek of the earth. Now, in one sense, Zephaniah is calling out to all the nation of Israel, but God, in his foreknowledge, knows that most people in Israel at this point were past saving. I mean, they were going to be judged. And so a time of revival is taking place in the days of Zephaniah, in the days of Josiah. And there is a remnant of people in Israel who have an ear. They look around and they see all the terrible things that are happening with, to their nation. And God had been sending these warning shots over the bow, warning them that judgment was coming. And they see this. They see the Babylonians gathering and conquering the rest of the world and they've got to wonder if they're next and they know they're next if God doesn't save the, the nation and, and, and the wicked just go right on you know as if uh, nothing's ever going to happen but so this plea really goes out to the meek listen to what he says he says seek the Lord all you meek you humble people the ones who can hear what I'm about to say uh, those who see these dark clouds on the horizon and, and uh, you know, are still followers of Yahweh. Those who have, look what he says, who have, who have upheld his justice. You know, even in dark, wicked times, there are some people who try to live righteously. You know, as Christians, we live righteously by the Spirit of God, but, 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 uh, we try to do justly. We try to do, live righteously. And he says, continue. He, he says to them, continue to seek righteousness. That's a hard thing to do in the midst of a wicked world, to seek righteousness when everything around you is, is or every person around you is seeking wickedness, seeking going after sin. It's hard to seek righteousness. Seek humility. You know, it's hard to be humble in a world that's full of pride, in a nation that's full of pride. But he says, hey, even though everything around you is different, you're to still seek righteousness. You're to still seek humility. What's humility? It's humbling yourself in the sight of the Lord and realizing that he's God and you're not. We live in a world where, where people believe they're God or they worship gods other than Yahweh. And he says, hey, don't do that. Seek humility. But then he goes on, uh, he says, that it may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. 
Now, that's a principle that we see over and over again in the word of God. And that principle is that God knows how to protect his own. And the psalmist, the psalmist says in the, the day of the famine, the righteous shall be satisfied. So God sends a famine upon the land. That means the righteous will be satisfied. Remember what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of trials and reserve the unjust for the day of judgment to be punished. And because he knows who his people are. He knows those who are living righteously. He knows the meek. He knows those who have humbled themselves before the Lord and have made them made him his, their, their God. David said in Psalms 34, he says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. That means, I mean, it's a good thing to have the eyes of the Lord on you and it's a bad thing to have the, have the eyes of the Lord on you. It's a good thing if you're righteous because that means the Lord is gonna protect you. Now, where do we get our righteousness? We get our righteousness from Jesus Christ, but we're also been given the spirit of God. And so we, Christ is not I who live, but Christ who lives through me. And so we, to some degree, live righteously in this world. And we certainly understand our place in the sight of God, that God is God and that we're, we're not, that we're his children, but we're not God. And so the eyes of, David says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their cry. When difficulty comes, when things come like have been coming up on our country lately, hey, if you know the Lord, the Lord, the Lord knows where you're at. The Lord knows how to protect you. And the Lord's ears are open to your cries. And so if th- bad things happen to you because it's happening to the rest of the people around, God is going to hear your prayers. He, and then he, David goes on to say, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. I mean, I don't care what kind of trouble we face and we're going to face troubles. Um, the troubles of David goes on to say that, you know, the righteous man has many troubles, but, but, uh, God delivers him out of all the troubles. And, and, uh, and he, he's repeating what he says right here. The Lord delivers the righteous out of all of their troubles. You know, the Lord is our hiding place. If we know the Lord, we don't have to worry about what's happening in the rest of the world. If we truly know the Lord and we're we're living for the Lord, then we don't have to worry about that. And, uh, and, And that's one of the reasons I believe in the rapture because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And God is gonna take us out of here before he sends those terrible judgments of the great tribulation upon this world. Because he knows how to take care of his own. And, and uh, that's exactly the principle that, that uh, Zephaniah gives here. That, you may be, that, that it may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. The ultimate anger of the Lord is expressed in the great tribulation. And I have no doubt that just as Noah was hidden in that day of wrath, that great day of wrath that came upon the world in his day, will be hidden in the ark. We'll be hidden in the ark and our ark is none other than Jesus Christ. Now, so he's pronounced in this first chapter and a half or so, a first chapter and the first few verses, he's pronounced this uh, judgment on Israel and 
you know, if you're living outside of Israel at this point, you, you know, most of those nations around Israel, if you told them, if you told the nations around Israel today that God's going to judge Israel and he's going to destroy Israel, what would they do? They would applaud the fact that that's going to happen. And in that day, they, it was no different. And so God now is going to turn the page from the judgment of Israel and he's going to go to the judgment of the nations surrounding Israel. And listen to what he says in verse number four. He says, for Gaza will be forsaken. I mean, you, you think it's going to be bad for Israel? It's going to be a lot worse for you. And Ascalon desolate. They shall drive out Ashdod at noonday, and Akron shall be uprooted. These are all the towns of the Philistines. Woe to the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of the Cherith. The, the word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, uh, will destroy you. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, and it will destroy you, so there shall be no inhabitants. Now, the word of the Lord, uh, we've seen the word of the Lord in the book of Revelation is a two-edged sword. And the word of the Lord, when the Lord speaks, when the decree is issued, when the decree was issued for Israel to be judged, they were judged. When the decree is going to be issued for the world to be judged, the world's going to be judged. And what happens to Israel is in order to, to, not to destroy Israel, but to save Israel. What happens to those nations around Israel is to destroy those nations so that Israel will inhabit that land again. And so... Uh, He's saying, hey, you're not out of the woods. Just because Israel's going to be judged doesn't mean that you're not going to be judged. You're going to be judged. In fact, you're going to be judged more harshly than the nation of Israel. Look at verse number six. It says the seacoast shall be pastures. All of these cities that you built, they're going to be nothing more than pasture. Shelters for shepherds and the folds for flocks. The coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed their flocks there. The, the houses of Ashkelon... They shall lie down at evening for, for the Lord, their God will intervene for them and return their captives. Now, if you were to look at a map, a good portion of the Mediterranean coastline belongs to the who today? The Palestinians, all of that area that used to belong to the Philistines. In fact, there are some people that say that the uh, Palestinians are, are, are the Philistines or, or their heritage is from the Philistines. I think maybe there's some truth in that, but a lot of those are, are, are refugees from Jordan and some of those other nations around Israel. And, uh, you know, I don't know, you can pin them right to the, their heritage right to the Philistines. But in any case, that area is going to be judged one day. All of those nations that are surround Israel, that hate Israel, that, uh, that want to destroy Israel, they're going to be judged and that land is going to be given back to the Israelites. Uh, for the, because look at what he says in verse number seven. The coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed their flocks there. In the houses of Ashkelon they shall uh, lie down at evening. For the Lord their God will intervene for them, them being Israel, and return their captives. In other words, those who have gone off into captivity, in the Babylonian captivity, are going to come back. And eventually they're going to inhabit all of that land. So what the Lord does, if you look at a map, if you were to look at a map of the area that was 
promise to Abraham in that original covenant for the land of Israel, you will see that it included the Gaza Strip and all of those areas that are now inhabited by the Palestinians that were back in this day inhabited by the Philistines. And so what the Lord is saying, one day all of those cities are going to be brought down and that's going to be pasture land for the Israelites and the Israelites are going to inhabit that land. And so now he's talked about the west coast. He's going to go across the Jordan over to the east and he's going to talk about Jordan and uh, really Jordan in ancient times was Moab and and Ammon. But listen to what he says about what's going to happen to Jordan in verse number eight. He says, I have heard the reproach of Moab and the insults of the people of Ammon, which they have reproached my people and made arrogant threats against their borders. Now, they don't do that anymore, right? They do that every day. And they do it as if there is no God. Now, their God, Allah, hates Israel. In fact, their God, Allah, says the Israelites are nothing more than pigs. That's why you know that when people tell you that Allah and Jehovah are the same God, that is blasphemy. They're not the same God. And so the Lord is saying that not only am I going to give back, Israel, give back to Israel that land that they lost to the Philistines way back, that they never really conquered way back when that land was promised to them, I'm going to also give them all of that land on the east that was inhabited by the Moabites and the Ammonites. He says, I have heard the reproach of Moab and the insults of the people of Ammon, with which they have reproached my people and made arrogant threats against their borders. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be like Sodom. Now, that's a pretty dire prediction right there. And the people of Ammon like Gomorrah. That's another dire prediction. So the whole area will be like Sodom and Gomorrah, overrun with weeds and salt pits and a perpetual desolation. The resident, but look at what he says here. It's going to be inhabited. The residue of my people shall plunder that area, and the remnant of my people shall possess their possessions, is basically what he's saying. So he's talking about what's going to happen after the Great Tribulation uh, in the millennium. All of that land promised to Abraham will be restored to Israel. And so... Uh, why does God do that to Moab and why does he do it to, to uh, Ammon? Because they reproached my people and made arrogant threats against them. I mean, just like you hear the nations doing today. In verse number 10, it says, this, in verse number 10, this judgment they shall have for their pride because they reproached and made arrogant threats against the people of the Lord of hosts. Now, whenever we see the Lord of hosts, what's that? That's Jehovah Sabiot. And what's host? What are the hosts? The host of heaven, the armies of heaven. And it's always in the context of the Lord going to battle for an individual. I mean, he speaks of Jacob as, as God, the God of Jacob as being the Lord of hosts because he battled for Jacob. He goes to battle for individuals. He's also the Lord of hosts in the context, often in the Bible, in the context of the nation of Israel because he went to battle for them. Now, if you read over in 
in uh, Second Kings, you see the power of just one angel, how he destroyed, uh, I think, a hundred, over 100,000 Assyrians that were coming against Israel and just one angel. So if he's got an army of these angels, you're in pretty good shape if those angels are protecting you. And you're in pretty bad shape if they're coming after you. And so he, he, he says, hey, you have, uh, you've raised my anger because of your pride, because you have reproached uh, and made arrogant threats against the people of Israel, says the Lord of hosts, the one who can come and has the armies to defeat you. I, you know, I, I hear the Iranians talking about how uh, they're going to wipe Israel off the map. And I hear the Palestinians talking about how they're going to drive the Israelites into the sea. How they, the Iranian general said the other day that within 10 years there will be no such thing as a Jew. That all the Jews will be wiped off the face of the earth. I mean, that's the, more of a boasting, arrogant threat than Hitler made. And, he, and those, sometimes those aren't empty threats. Sometimes those people really believe in their mind and in their heart that they can do those things. And who's behind all of that? Satan's behind all of that. And so uh, who knows what Israel's going to face? I think they're going to face a terrible time where it's going to, in the near future, where it very well might look like they are going to get wiped off the map, that they're going to be driven into the sea. But at some point, the Lord's going to turn the tide and the armies of heaven and the armies of this world that are under his control are going to come to Israel's aid and, and uh, the very people that were trying to destroy Israel are going to be the people that are destroyed and, and uh, the judgment will come upon them. Now, uh, it, judgment isn't just limited to Israel. It's not just limited to uh, Moab and Ammon and the uh, land of the Philistines. Judgment is coming upon the whole world. And that's the message of these minor prophets. I mean, you, you, we don't want to lose sight of that when we're looking at these uh, judgments in their immediate context. Because uh, all of this uh, applies to the whole world. It applies to every individual. It applies to every city. And it applies to every nation. God judges the wicked. And he spares the righteous. And that's, that's, that's every bit as much a principle in the Bible as, as God is love, God is life, God is truth. God is righteous. And he does judge the wicked, the wages of sin. One sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But hey, you reject the, the gift of God, then you're going to be judged. Look at verse number 11. The Lord will be Here's the days coming when the Lord judges the nations. And this is what, listen to what Zephaniah says. The Lord will be awesome to them. Now, when I think of the Lord being awesome, the Lord's really awesome to me. But that's not what that word means right there. It means terrifying. The Lord is going to be terrifying to them. For he will reduce to nothing all. How many? All. All in the Hebrew means all. All the gods of the earth. People, there won't be any other gods left to worship. And if you want to worship any other God, you won't be here. There will only be one God on this earth to worship, 
And that will be Jehovah God and he will be in the form of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah for us. That is awesome to me. It's not terrifying to me, but it will be terrifying to the rest of this world because that day is going to come through great tribulation and many people are going to be destroyed. He says people shall worship him. Everybody that's left on this earth in the day of the millennium, and Zephaniah is going to tell us a lot more about that in the next chapter, but everybody that's left on this earth will worship him. Each one from his place, indeed all the shores of the nations, from every shore, from every port, from every city, will go out worship until, until the true and living God. I mean, one of the things that God is going to accomplish in the great tribulation, he's going to wipe out every other religion from the face of this earth. There will be no such thing as the Muslim faith after the great tribulation. There will be no such thing as Buddhism. There will be no such thing as Hinduism. And all of those nations on the very shores of this earth are going to worship the true and living God. They're going to worship Yahweh, Jehovah, and only Jehovah. And, and what a great day that's going to be. Now he goes back and uh, he, he kind of leaves the great tribulation of the millennium for a minute and he goes back to, to pronouncing judgment on, on Israel's uh, enemies, and, and specifically two enemies that... that gave Israel a lot of trouble throughout their history. First of all, the Ethiopians. And, and listen to verse number 12. He says, you Ethiopians also, you shall be slain by my sword. Judgment's coming upon you. Now, yeah, there is a place in the Bible, and I didn't look it up, I should have, but where, the, where Ethiopians will come and worship the Lord uh, in the millennium. So all of Ethiopia won't be destroyed. Not all of those people will be destroyed. And that's true for most of the, most of the other nations too. He says, in, he says in verse number 13, and he will stretch out his hand against the north and he will destroy Assyria. Now Assyria was uh, a constant enemy of the nation of Israel. It still is. And he will make Nineveh a desolation as dry as the wilderness. Here's another judgment. We saw a judgment pronounced on Nineveh before and now we're going to see it. We're seeing a judgment pronounced upon Nineveh again. That same city, that great city in Assyria where Jonah went and preached and they repented, but it was, again, it was a short-lived revival. It was a, a superficial revival, and, and they went right back to their wicked ways when they were spared, and, and now God pronounces his final judgment upon them again, and that's judgment of Nineveh is pronounced over and over again in the Bible. Uh, then, then he says in verse number 14, he says, The herd shall be uh, down in her midst, every beast of the nation, both the pelican and the bittern, Bittern's kind of like a pelican, a smaller version of it. Shall lodge on the capitals of her pillars. Their voice shall sing in the windows. In other words, what you'll hear there won't be the sounds of a city anymore. You'll hear the sounds of animals and you'll hear the sounds of, I mean, very few sounds. Just the noise of the, the, the birds uh, and the waves. Uh, well, actually, Nineveh's not near waves, but uh, the, the sounds of nature. Desolation shall be at the threshold. For he shall lay bare all of their cedar work, all of their, their, uh, their homes in the city. All of that will be gone. And so judgment's coming to both Ethiopia and to Assyria. And in verse number 15, he says, This is a rejoicing city, speaking of Nineveh, that dwelt securely, that said in her heart, 
I am it. And there is none besides me. That's the opposite of being meek, by the way. I am it. And there is none beside me. How is she... How has she become a desolation? I mean, it, I mean, she wasn't it, and God showed her that. A place for the beast to lie down is what really she is. Everyone who passes by at her will hiss and shake his fist at her and say, told you so, judgment was coming. I mean, you, you were a city who ruled the world at one time, and, and you wreaked havoc on the world with your brutal uh, military and and uh, now judgment has come upon you. But the judgment of Nineveh that we get there in that last part of chapter number two is a type of the judgment of every city and every nation and every individual who shakes their finger at the Lord and says, I am it. And there is none besides me. And that reeks of what? It reeks of pride. And it reeks of self-centeredness and self-sufficiency. It's, it's man saying to God, I don't need you. I am it. And there's none besides me. Stay out of my life. And it's ignoring the creator it's ingratitude towards the creator and that type of attitude will bring judgment upon a nation and a city and an individual. But God is merciful. Habakkuk prayed, in your wrath, Lord, remember your mercy. Thank goodness that God has provided a way for all of us to be saved. But if we reject his mercy over and over and over again, then when that decree is issued and the judgment is set, it's too late. Yahweh then will be hidden from those people who say, I am it. I don't need God. Hey, none of us are it. I got news for you. God is it. And it is up to us to seek it, him, before it's too late. And now, for those who have sought him and will seek him and will be saved, we get the really good stuff. But we've got to wait on that till next week. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for the warnings that you've given us all in our lives and Lord, how merciful you are that you, the call is still going out to this lost and dying world. Lord, to lost and dying individuals, to lost and dying cities and nations. 
Lord, it's your will that none should perish. You tell us that clearly in your word. But Lord, at some point, we know that the decree is going to be set. The church is going to be raptured. And the great tribulation is going to begin. Lord, and we see all of these things happening around us that tell us that that time is getting very, very, very close. Lord, we thank you for your mercy on us. The mercy that comes to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we didn't deserve it. Uh, it's, our faith is a gift from you, and we thank you for that. And Lord, we just ask that in these very last days that you leave us here on this earth that our days will count for you. Lord, that we'll read these warnings in places like Zephaniah that people aren't reading today, but we'll see these things and we'll be motivated, Lord, to want to serve you with all that we have for all the days that we have left. Lord, that's your call to us. It's not one of judgment. It's a call to help those who are going to be judged if they don't hear about Jesus Christ. Lord, give us those opportunities. Fill us with your spirit. And make our days count. We ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen.